Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Everyday Trainer Podcast. My name is Meg, and I am a dog trainer. So on today's episode, I'm going to talk all about habits, the good habits that we should be doing more of with our dogs, the bad habits that we should stop doing, and everything in between. I'm going to break down the why and why I believe that we should stop doing these bad habits and why we should start doing these good ones and uh, answer a few of your questions that I got on Instagram about these habits. So this is a really good episode. For me, I honestly think this is probably one of the most important because let's face it, the habits that we make with our dogs determine our dog's behavior. Plain and simple. You can use all the tools in the world, but if you are rewarding the wrong kind of behavior inadvertently or putting your dog in a situation that might be unnatural for them, then uh, you may encounter some behavioral issues. So I'm going to break down all of those habits and answer all of your questions. So sit back, grab your drink, and I'll meet you back here. Welcome back. So I'm going to jump right into things. Um, I recently posted a little video on Instagram about five bad habits that I see owners do all the time that are really influencing their dog's behavior. So not to like start off on a bad note, but I feel like that's kind of what gets us into trouble is all of these bad habits that we're doing with our dog. So I'm going to get started with those and then we can kind of walk through the good things that you can do instead. So the first one is excitedly greeting your dog when you come home. I know so many people do this and you're so conditioned to do this, but what you're doing when you excitedly greet your dog when you come home is you're basically saying, oh my gosh, I survived. I made it back. Thank goodness. And your dog is like, oh my God, thank goodness you made it back. So people get their dogs worked up when they leave the house and then they get their dogs worked up when they come back home. And then they're like, I don't know why my dog has separation anxiety. And I talked about this a little bit in the last episode on separation anxiety, but it's the same thing. We want to be nice and calm when we're leaving and going because we don't want to make it a big deal. If you make it a big deal when you leave and you make it a big deal when you come home, then your dog might have separation anxiety and might get really worked up. On the other side of that, People often complain about their dogs jumping up on guests or getting too excited when uh, someone is at the door. This is why. It's because you've conditioned them to get really excited. And I don't want to say that your dog's not excited to see you, but all of the behaviors that your dog does are conditioned behaviors. They are conditioned to get excited when you come home. So it's not that they don't love you, but what you're doing is you're rewarding a really excited state. Most of the training that I do is focused around calming dogs down and teaching them how to be neutral in these kinds of situations. We don't want a dog that gets super amped up every time someone walks through the door. And that starts with you. Because think about how many times you walk in and out of your house 
all of those moments are opportunities for teaching your dog how they need to behave. If you're struggling with overexcitement or you're struggling with your dog jumping up on you, check and see what you're doing when you leave and when you come home. If you're petting your dog and, oh my goodness, hello, and getting so excited and they jump up on you, you're just rewarding that excited behavior. If you want your dog to be calm when you come home, then you have to be calm. Pretty much everything that I say to owners is like, act how you want your dog to act in those situations. And most of the time people can't do it because they themselves are so conditioned to greeting their dog super excitedly every time they come home. Now I'm not saying that you can't greet your dog when you come home. I do. I mean, no, that's a lie. I don't. I will pretty much ignore my dogs until they're settled and then I'll kind of pet them. But You can greet your dogs without the super amped up excited state. You can just walk in and if they're super chill, then you can pet them and just greet them with the same kind of energy that you want to receive. Okay, number two, trying to soothe anxiety or like an over aroused state with affection and it's okay, it's okay. Oh, this is literally my least favorite thing that I see and I see it all the time I was in downtown Orlando last Friday and oh my gosh I (laughs) I forget how how bad it is downtown with the pets like people just don't know how to uh how to handle having dogs so basically what happens is a dog will get super amped up Either they'll see another dog or maybe be scared of something. And so what people do is they pet their dog, give their dog affection and say, it's okay, it's okay. So there's a few things going on here. The first one is you're rewarding that state of mind. What you pet is what you get. So if you're petting your dog when they're in a really anxious state, then you're just rewarding them for that anxious state. If you're petting your dog when they're super excited, like, and you're trying to soothe them, then you're just rewarding that behavior. Now, there is a way for touch and affection to be a way to soothe a dog, but in my experience, I find that most owners don't have the self-awareness to be able to do that in an effective way. So I just tell people to act how they want their dogs to act. If their dog is getting super amped up because another dog is walking past them, keep walking, ignore the dog. If you want your dog to ignore the dog, just keep going. Like you are a person, you have control over the situation. Just keep going and don't reward that excited or anxious state with affection. And it's okay. Now, the other part of this is you're saying it's okay. It's okay. The dog doesn't know what it's okay means unless you've explicitly taught them, which like, I don't know how, (laughs) I don't know how you could have done that or like communicated that like, it's okay means what it does. Um, so essentially what you're doing is, oh, oh, you're like whining at the dog. And so when dogs whine, they typically whine because they're overexcited or they're anxious. And so you're greeting the dog's anxiousness with anxiousness. So like I said, act how you want the dog to act in those situations. 
Okay, number three, letting your dog walk through doors before you. Um, now, I got a few, I got a, a little bit of feedback on this one because people thought that I was saying, oh, you need to walk through the door before because like you're the dominant one and you're the pack leader and whatever. But that's not really my intention with this one. My intention when I say this is it really slows people down because what people will do when they go to let their dog through the door is they'll walk up to the door. The dog will be super excited. They open the door. The dog bolts through the door out in front of them. So when I tell clients walk through the door before your dog, they have to make a conscious effort to really slow the dog down and keep them from just bolting out the door. So what I do in my training is I have the dog sit, then I'll open the door. Sometimes the dog will stand back up. I bring them back into a sit, reward some eye contact, get some like focus on you instead of just bolting through the door. And then you step through the door, your dog follows. So when I say walk through the door before your dog, I mean, slow your dog down so that they're not just bolting out the door before you, you want that permission based uh, threshold manners, you want the dog to check in with you before just busting through every single door. Okay, number four, letting every stranger pet your dog. Just stop doing this. <laughs> um, this is another really, really big one. A lot of people will be like, my dog gets so excited when people come over or when they see strangers on the sidewalk. Like, I don't know. I don't know why. And then like flashback to the first six months of the dog's life and every single stranger is allowed to come up and pet the dog. So what happens when you let a bunch of strangers come up and pet your dog is the stranger will come up and they'll be like, oh, this puppy and that was really loud I'm sorry and they'll like do the super high-pitched puppy voice reward your dog get your dog in an excited state reward them with affection and then leave and you'll never see that person ever again but what that one person has done and what that one encounter has done is taught your dog that strangers equals excitement strangers equals affection and strangers equals a reward from something other than you. So if you struggle with an overexcited dog around new people or around new dogs, you really need to make sure that you are the source of all things good to your dog instead of random strangers off the street. Because let's face it, you're never going to see that person again, but you have to deal with the dog in front of you and you have to work with your own dog and if you let five people a day come up and pet your dog, well, guess what? Your dog's going to get super excited for every stranger that walks past because that's all they know. All they know is that strangers equals affection and excitement and all of these good things. So instead, I want you to be the source of all things good and not put all of that good, excited energy on a stranger that you're never going to see again. So I teach owners to socialize their dogs by bringing their dogs out in public. A real simple response to if someone wants to pet your dog is no, I'm sorry, we're training. That's like my go to Oh my gosh, can I pet your dog? No, I'm sorry, we're training. Most of the time, people really respect you when you set those boundaries. I've only had 
like a handful of encounters where people will literally go to pet the dog behind my back when I'm not looking. And I've had it happen before. I remember I was downtown training a dog and someone literally walked up and picked up the dog that I was training and started cuddling it. Like they did not know the dog. They did not know me. They like walked up, the dog jumped up on them. And at the time I was like talking to another person. So I was like distracted. The dog jumped up on them and they picked the dog up and were like cuddling the dog and just rewarded that dog for jumping up and then getting all of this affection. So what I see a lot of people do is they feel bad. They're like, oh, but I just, I want to make this person's day, you know? And like, that's fine and dandy, but you are not ruining that person's life by them not petting your dog. Like they're just going to go to the next dog, like five feet away and do the exact same shit. So just say no, set that boundary with strangers and make sure that you are rewarding your dog, not strangers. Okay. Number five, uh, on leash dog greetings. Do not allow other people's dogs to approach your dog on leash. <sighs> I was downtown Friday night walking around Lake Eola and Lake Eola is just like the lake that's in the middle of downtown. So it's really busy and downtown Orlando is very dog friendly. Like everyone has a dog and oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I was walking Bama um, he is just the cutest pit and everybody wants to come up and say hi to him. And we are working on him not being super excited and not super amped up out in public because he is, he's a very excitable dog. And sometimes it turns into reactivity. And like, if he sees another dog, he will sometimes like get super, super amped up and like bark, 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 bark. And he's a big boy. Like he's kind of scary. And so we would be in situations like in the elevator and there would be another dog or another person. And they're like, oh my gosh, he's so handsome. He is so pretty and get him amped up. And then he would release all of that tension as barking at these people. And he's big and he's pretty hard to control. So while I'm downtown walking around Lake Eola, I swear to God, there was five people with flexi leads and flexi leads are those leashes that like go to like 25 feet and they like extend out of the little plastic holder. And I was so frustrated by the end of the the walk because I had so many people that were letting their dogs like come right up to him on a flexi lead. Like this one person had a white uh, husky, like a pretty big dog. I'm walking. I clearly like I have two dogs. My hands are full. I'm clearly focused on the walk. Like I do not want to engage with this person. And this person on a flexi lead lets his husky on a harness walk right in front of me and nose to nose these dogs greet. And I'm just like, I look at this person and I'm like, please pull your dog away from my dog. Like I said it like that. And this guy like looks at me and he couldn't even pull his dog away from my dogs. That's how little control he had over his dog. But not only was he letting his dog come up to my dogs, 
I couldn't even walk forward anymore because his dog was in my way. Like he let his dog stop me on my walk and just like nose to nose, I'm just waiting for Bama to like eat this dog. And I'm like yelling at this owner, get this dog away from me, like pull your dog away. And so the guy like looks at me like, oh my God, she's mean. And like has to walk up and physically grab his dog because he has no control over his dog. And then they keep walking. So that was the most extreme one that happened that day. Uh, but it really happened. I'm, I shit, you not like four more times. Someone was just like, Oh, my dog wants to say hi and let their dog come right up to him. And so what you're doing when you let people do that is first of all, you're putting your dog at so much risk. That is not how dogs greet each other. They do not, they do not initiate face to face greeting first. Uh, how dogs greet each other is they'll sniff each other's butts, then they go face to face and then whatever happens, happens. So either play or fight or whatever. So when you go straight face to face, you're putting a lot of uh, pressure on those dogs. And that's when fights happen. Like I just, I felt, I, I always try to be super calm in those situations, but I felt the tension between those dogs. And I knew that I had to tell that man to get his dog away from mine or something was going to happen. So don't let strangers like bring their dogs up to you and say, Oh my gosh, he just wants to say hi. If you have a super chill dog and they're like cool with that, then it's not the end of the world. But what happens is these people feel bad and they'll be like, Oh yeah, sure. And then this person who has no control over their dog brings their dog up to your dog and it starts a fight because that is not a natural way for dogs to initiate a greeting. Um, not only that, but it teaches your dog that you're not looking out for their personal space. It is your job as your dog's owner to help them navigate life safely. The life that we're living with our dogs, particularly dogs in cities, is not a natural way for our dogs to live. So we have to teach our dogs how to properly exist in our world because it's not going to come naturally to them. So with that, you want to make sure that you are looking out for your dog's space. You're not letting just like any person come up and touch them. You're not letting any dog come up and like invade their little bubble. Think about like, I know everyone loves to compare dogs to children. And like, I can't tell you how many messages I get on Instagram a day. That's like, you would never lock your child up in a cage. Why would you do it for a dog? Okay, well, if we're going to use that argument, you would never let a little kid come up to your child and just like stand directly face to face. Like we have manners, you know, like you don't, you teach your kid to like respect people's personal space and to not like invade their personal space and to just walk up and like touch a stranger and to walk up and do all of these things. But then we allow our dogs to do it. So just imagine as like a little kid, if your mom like let every single stranger and let every single like other kid come up and just touch you. Like you would have zero trust in your mom. You would be like, yeah, she <laughs> doesn't care about strangers coming up and like touching me. Like that would probably mess a child up. So this is the one time I'm going to compare children to dogs. Don't let other dogs come up in your dog's little bubble. 
then yeah, that's that. And honestly, that's like, that's where dog fights happen is on leash greetings. So just, just don't let it happen. Your dog doesn't need to say hi to other dogs. That's just you being lonely. I think, I don't know. <laughs> okay. So those are my five bad habits. So I want to kind of flip them around and talk about the good things that we can do for our dogs. So some good things that we can do is calmly give our dogs affection, calmly give our dogs affection when we come inside. Um, like I said, what you pet is what you get. So most of the bad habits that I see with owners is they're rewarding the wrong state of mind. Dog training is very, very simple. What you reward, uh, rewards are affection, baby talk, sometimes even eye contact, um, freedom, going for a walk, getting let out of the crate. All of that is a huge reward to our dogs playing. That's a reward. So we want to make sure that we're, we are rewarding. Ooh, that's tough to say that we're rewarding the right state of mind. So focus less on the dog's actions and focus more on, okay, what is my dog feeling right now? Like physically, what are they showing me? A dog that is panting a lot, that has their ears up and that little wrinkle on their forehead might be an anxious dog. So you don't want to reward that behavior. Um, you want to reward when your dog is calm to teach them that like, hey, this is how you can be. So when our dogs are really anxious, they don't want to be that way, but they don't know how not to be that way. So when we reward them, when we're calm, we're communicating to our dog, this is the behavior that I like, and this is the behavior that I want to see more of. So if you have a dog who is jumping up on you when you come home, first, don't tell your dog to sit and then give them affection. So dogs, all they know is the first thing that they did was come up and jump up on you. And then you told them to sit. And then the last thing that they got was some affection. So dogs don't remember that little middle area right there. So all they know is, okay, I jumped up and then it ended with affection. They don't really get the in-between sitting stage. And this is why a lot of people struggle with like, oh, why is my dog jumping up on me? Well, it's because you're still rewarding them. So correct by putting a knee up, pushing them down, and then ignore the dog. Don't give them that affection. If you give them that affection, you are rewarding that first behavior that initiated the affection. So if your dog jumps up on you or jumps up on guests when you come home, um, if it's you, put a knee up, correct the dog, push them back down, ignore them, give them affection later when they're calm. If you have guests coming over, put a leash on your dog. If you know that your dog is going to jump up on somebody, put a leash on them and guide them down when they go to do those things. So these are all good habits that we can get, get in the habit of doing, um, <laughs> that we can put in our routine. So if you're working with reactivity at the door, put the leash on, set your dog up for success and set them up for what you want them to do instead. Um, so instead of trying to soothe anxiety with affection, simply, if you don't have a way to, I don't, uh, okay. 
I don't really like correcting an anxious state. It depends on the dog, but I don't want to say correct the anxious dog because that's not always the best thing to do um, unless the dog is really acting out in that anxiety and then you can correct the behaviors of the dog acting out. So let's say the dog is anxious in the crate and the dog is clawing and like, <sighs> like trying to get out. I would correct that behavior because it's self-destructive and I want it to stop and I don't want the dog to do it ever again. Um, sometimes dogs will whine to self-soothe. So they'll be like, hmm, hmm, hmm. I'm not going to correct for that kind of behavior because it's almost like the dog doesn't even know that they're doing it. They're just like physically so anxious that that is what is happening. So there are other ways that you can really work through that anxiety. Um, but rewarding and saying it's okay, it's okay, is not the way through that anxiety. Trust me. Okay. Um, and then I already talked about letting your dog walk through the door before you. So threshold manners are really important, not just because of safety reasons. Um, we don't want our dogs just bolting through doors, but it also slows them down. So most people need help slowing their dogs down instead of amping them up even more. So if we slow our dogs down at the door, then they're going to be slower on the walk. If we slow our dogs down when we put the leash on, then they're going to be slower at the door, then they're going to be slower at the walk, and they're going to be in the right mental state for whatever it is we're about to go do. Um, okay, letting every stranger pet your dog. Like I said, just say, no, I'm sorry. Uh, you cannot pet my dog. We are training. Whatever your reason is, just don't let people or other dogs come up to, into your space. Protect your dog's space. Be the source of all things good. Don't give that to strangers. Strangers don't deserve it. You work really hard with your dog and you want to be the source of all things good. So just block people with a foot if they're letting their dog come up to your dog. Um, I can't tell you how many reactive dogs I've like kicked away from dogs that I've been training. And I've had owners yell at me, but I'm like, I just saved your dog's life. Like, you should not let your dog come up to my dog. You should not let your dog come up to strangers dogs. Um, so yeah, just really look out for your dog's space. So some other things that you can do to really, uh, practice fostering a calm state of mind with your dog is you want to condition calm by doing nothing with your dog. Almost every single person that comes to me for training is doing like way too much. Like they think that dog training is only those active like obedience training sessions when it's just not. A large part of training is the passive stuff. It's the hanging out in the crate. It's simply hanging out next to you. It's like hanging out on place. You have to teach your dog how to do nothing, especially if you're just a typical like pet dog owner and you're not like 
uh, I don't know, sport dog or doing like that super drivey work. You don't want a really drivey dog. You want a dog that can just coexist with you and you're not always doing something and you can't always entertain your dog. So you have to teach your dog how to just hang out and do nothing. So condition calm behavior by, I like to do downstays, but it really doesn't have to be anything to do with obedience. You can simply sit on the couch with your dog on the leash and them next to you 10 minutes before you go for a walk. Then when you stand up to go through the door, your dog might get a little more excited. Just stand there and wait for them to get calm. Once they're calm, then you can walk through the door. And that's really going to set the tone for your walk and it's going to set the tone for everything. If you're conditioning calm behavior throughout your day, then your dog is going to learn, okay, calm behavior is what gets me the things that I want. So I'm going to learn to do that more. And like I said, our dogs don't like to be in this anxious elevated state, but they just don't know what they should be doing instead. So this isn't teaching, this isn't about teaching your dog to do things that they don't want to do. It's about teaching them what they can do instead. So a really good habit is to wait for calm before you go through the door, before you go in the car, before you go for a walk, before you feed them. And what I see a lot of people do is they'll be like, you want to go for a walkie? You want to go for a walk? And so what you're doing is you're conditioning your dog to get in this super amped up elevated state before you go on a walk. And then you're like, I don't know why my dog pulls me everywhere and wants to bark at every single dog. Well, it's like, that's kind of the mental state that you got them ready for before your walk. So conditioning calm is a great habit to just do with your dog. You really want to condition calm at any opportunity that your dog usually gets in a really elevated, excited state, unless it's the moment for that really excited, elevated state. If you want a really drivey dog and you want to do a fun training session, then by all means, get your dog amped up, like have that outlet for them, play tug with them, do whatever it is that you want to do in that situation. But then you need to also teach your dog how to have an off switch and how to know to turn that off. So that's why I always talk about a crate schedule. A crate schedule is a really good habit to get into. Um, it teaches your dog how to settle. It teaches them how to do nothing. It teaches them how to be independent of you and how to not follow you around. Um, but yeah, I talked too much about the crate in the last episode, so I'm not going to go into that one. Um, now, another really good habit that I think everyone should be doing is you should walk your dog every single day. A lot of people are not giving their dogs enough exercise and because of that they are acting out. They have these behavioral issues because they're not being fulfilled. So you need to go on a walk with your dog every single day or you need to do some sort of physical activity with your dog every single day because they need that to be fulfilled and healthy and happy. Now bonus points if you uh, do a structured walk. Structured walk is dog walks at heel, no stopping, no sniffing, no lunging, no pulling, and there should be no leash pressure on the leash. So just like walking with a friend, like the, the dog just walks next to you. That's kind of the goal. Um, so one thing that I have learned over uh, the course of my life as a, 
as a messy, unorganized person is I really have to set myself up for success. Like I talk about setting your dog up for success, but this is all about you too. So if you are not one to wake up in the morning and walk and remember to walk your dog or whatever, set yourself up for success the night before. Leave your leash by the coffee machine so that when you wake up to go get coffee, you think, oh yeah, gotta walk my dog. Grab your coffee, go and walk your dog. This is what I do. I I swear to God, I have my leashes hanging right by the door. I wake up every morning. I grab whatever drink I have. I put a podcast on and I go for a walk. So you want to make it enjoyable for you too. It's not going to be a habit that sticks if you hate doing it. Like if you hate waking up and walking your dog, then you're not going to continue to do it. So make it enjoyable and pair it with habits that you're already doing, habits that you already like, um, and habits that can easily be, or things that can easily be added on to your habits. So like you wake up every morning and drink your coffee, leave your leash by your coffee. If you love listening to a certain podcast, save that podcast for your walk. So every single day you wake up and you're like, ooh, I can't wait for my tasty ass coffee and to listen to my good podcast. And then we go to a walk for a walk and we do the thing like you have to set yourself up for these good habits. They don't just happen on their own and you can't rely on motivation to like guide you through this relationship with your dog because you're not going to be motivated every single day but if you have your systems in place if you're leaving your leash in a place that's easy for you to remember then it's going to happen regardless of if you're motivated or not um so i read a book called let's see if i can remember the name of this book atomic habits it is one of my favorite books that I've ever read. Um, and I'm the type of person who really does need systems in place or I like I 100% have ADD. <laughs> and like if I don't have systems in place that set me up for success, I get stressed and I won't walk my dogs and I won't eat and I like forget to do these things. So Atomic Habits really taught me how to create systems to make sure that I do the things that I want to do. And so schedule a time in your day dedicated just to your dog. Because what you're likely doing, if you're anything like me, is you're like waking up and you're like, oh, I need to walk my dog. I need to walk my dog. I need to train my dog. Oh my God, my dog is so bad. Oh my gosh, I need to do this thing. I need to do this thing. And then you go throughout your whole day and you're stressing yourself out because you're like, oh, I need to walk my dog. I need to walk my dog. I need to walk my dog. But then you don't because you don't designate the specific time to do it. So designate a specific time designate how far you're going to go, designate what podcast you're going to listen to, what coffee you're going to drink that morning, uh, the route, you know, like just 
have everything prepared so that it's foolproof. Like you have to walk your dog every day. You have to do that training session every day because you've made it part of your schedule of you've integrated it into your other habits. So one of the things that the author mentions in Atomic Habits is habit stacking. And this is one thing that I just freaking love. So habit stacking is like you have these other habits that you're doing, like drinking coffee every day, you're going to do that inherently, no matter what, no matter if you're motivated, whatever, you know that you're always going to wake up and you're always going to drink your coffee. So stack on habits that you want to do on habits that you're already doing. So like I said, leave your leash by the coffee maker, you're stacking that habit on top of the morning coffee. Or let's say you uh, always wake up and check your phone. Leave your leash on top of your phone so that you cannot forget to walk your dog because you know, oh yeah, my leash goes here so that as soon as I wake up, I see the leash and I know that it's the first thing that I need to do with my dog. This isn't as much about our dogs as it is us. Like all of these little habits that we're doing throughout the day when we are inadvertently rewarding anxious behavior or we're just putting off walking our dogs or we're putting off doing something with our dogs, it's on us and no one's going to motivate us to do it. So if it's something that you really want, you really have to dedicate the time and make sure that you have the structures and systems in place to actually implement these habits. If you're not doing anything with your dog, I would just suggest walking them once a day. I'm a morning person, so I like to do it in the morning. That's when I have the energy. That's when I am like in a good mood and motivated. Typically in the afternoon, I'm like dead. I'm done. I don't want to do anything else, but like lay in bed and just literally lay in bed. Uh, I'm just not an evening person. So I wake up in the morning and do that every single morning. Now, the other part of it is don't feel guilty if you don't do it. Just do it next time. Take each day as an opportunity to implement those habits. So let's say you come home and like you get super excited and see your dogs and you're like, oh man, I did it. Like I got my dog super amped up and I pet them. It's okay. You're not going to ruin your dog. Just take the next opportunity as an opportunity to do better. And it's all about remembering. It's all about remembering our habits and what we're doing. Because in remembering, we can change and we can do something different next time. Okay, I'm going to go through some of your questions. Um, and hopefully this will kind of break down some other good habits that you can that you can uh, implement with your dog. Okay. Um, dog park. Why is a dog park a bad habit? Uh, so dog parks are just not a great thing all around. Uh, it's just a really unnatural way to socialize your dog. Think if you, if you did this with any other animal, like chaos would erupt. Like if you took a bunch of, let's say, I don't even know what other kind of animals I can't like I don't even know I can't even think of other animals like let's say you got a bunch of different like deer you put a bunch of deer 
in one enclosed area. Those aren't even carnivores, first of all, so that was a terrible example, but whatever, we're just gonna go with it. So let's say you got a bunch of deer and you put them all in the same yard. It's more likely than not that not all of those deer are gonna get along because it's super weird that you put them all in this enclosed area. And so they're kind of like, whoa, this is, this is unnatural, or they might be in a really like elevated state. And then you might have a fight. Like they might like be scared and then react. A deer is a terrible example, but <laughs> I can't think of another animal right now that would be similar to dogs. So what we're doing when we take our dogs to the dog park is we're typically like, oh, you want to go to the park? Let's go to the park. And we pull up to the dog park and our dog is super amped up in the car. And they're like, yes, other dogs, other park. I get to run around and be super excited. So then we let them out of the car in this super excited state. And then we just let them in this big yard with all of these dogs that we've never met before. And we don't know how they act. And we just don't know anything about any of these dogs. And we let our dogs loose and we just hope for the best. And then when our dogs get into a fight, we're like, I, that just, that came out of nowhere. But the problem with dog parks and the problem with doggy daycares is it rewards a very excited state of mind around other dogs. And so what you're doing is you're conditioning your dog to get super amped up every time they see another dog. Now, dogs don't view other dogs as like friends like we do. So you and your dog are a pack. When you go to the dog park, your dog is interacting with a bunch of other packs of dogs. Um, it's not like they all of a sudden become one pack and all become friends. So think about wolves. Like wolves, how they exist is they travel together as a pack. They eat together as a pack. They do everything together as a pack. And they don't encounter other packs of wolves very often. And if they do, it can sometimes lead to fights. And so that's what's happening at the dog park. And that's what we're risking at dog parks and doggy daycares is we're just releasing our dogs into these big environments where they're going to get into a fight. I'm sorry, but I've been doing this for long enough that almost every single dog that I've worked with that has either aggression or reactivity either comes from a dog park or a doggy daycare. And I was just messaging someone today and they said the first time that they went to the dog park, their puppy got in like got attacked by another dog. And they're like, that was our first and last time. And now we're spending all of this time working through this behavior because we let that happen to our dogs. So don't let that happen to your dog Teach your dog how to be calm and neutral around other dogs instead of just like releasing them into just excitement and like just getting them amped up in these elevated states and then hoping nothing bad happens. Teach your dog how to just hang out with other dogs. If you have a friend who has a dog, like go for a walk together, go to brunch together, like teach your dog how to just chill and hang out with other dogs. They don't need this super excited, elevated play like you think that they do. And so I don't want you to feel bad for like not socializing your dog at a doggy daycare or at a dog park because it's not natural. And that's us just putting our own needs for socialization on our dogs. So you are much better off finding a friend who has a dog that you can have your dog play with or honestly just doing some training outside of a dog park um teaching your dog how to be neutral around other dogs instead of dog parks just like 
please no more dog parks. Also, they're disgusting and they're never cleaned and it's just filthy and disease and so many dogs get sick from going to dog parks. So just like, don't do it. Okay. Fetch. Why was fetch a bad habit? Okay. I actually did not know this because I've grown up with golden retrievers and like most of the dogs that I train are like labs and like fetchy dogs. Um, but I actually asked one of my friends who is a border, I mean, she's a dog trainer, but she works with a lot of border collies. She's like the collie person. So I asked her why fetch was bad. And this was kind of her explanation. So fetch can get dogs up into like that super excited amplified state uh, that we don't always want them in. Um, and then she told me more specifically, border collies um, aren't meant to do that behavior. Like they're not meant to run and then turn around all of a sudden and come back and like bring something back. And so you run the risk of injury, you run the risk of working your dog too hard, um, because not all dogs can kind of regulate it. And I think the biggest thing is just the state of mind. If your dog is like naturally a chill fetch dog, then I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, but I have seen cases where people's dogs just get like way too amped up or way too possessive with fetch and it leads to uh, less than desirable behaviors. So that one is really up to you. Um, if your dog is good with fetch, then it's not a big deal. Also, if your dog like mine was literally bred to fetch, then yeah, play fetch with them. They can handle that kind of thing. But if your dog was not bred for fetch and you're trying to force it and it's maybe causing them to get like anxious or too amped up, then find another outlet for fetch. Um, okay. Affection. What are the best habits to get into for showing our dog affection? Uh, this is a really good one. And this is one of the habits that I see so many owners are doing wrong is they're rewarding the wrong state of mind. So I really want to urge you to learn how to tune into your dog and tune into your dog's body language and give them affection only when they're in states that you want to see more of. So if your dog is like hanging out next to you and just laying on the floor, then like by all means go and cuddle them. Um, if your dog is super amped up and you're like, oh, I love you so much and you like get them amped up with affection, that's probably not the best time for affection if you don't want your dog to be super amped up. So I always tell people just reward the state of mind that you want to see more of. If your dog is really chill, that's the time to give them affection. If they're like running around being wild, maybe not the best time for affection. Also, don't give your dog affection if they are like pushy about it. So like Zoe, my older golden retriever, is the pushiest when it comes to affection. And that's just because I've always lived with roommates with her and it's nearly impossible to like <laughs> tell your roommates to not pet your dog every time she walks up to you. But it's it is what it is. She's just pushy about it. So like she will walk up and like throw your arm 10 feet in the air and like shove her face into you to get affection. And then it works like she does what works. So if you don't want your dog to be like super pushy with affection, ignore them when they do those behaviors. Okay. 
we have a cat that is up on the counter, so our dog thinks it's okay to put his paws on the counter. Uh, you can easily correct for that. Just because the cat does it doesn't mean the dog is allowed to do it. Um, so you have to be able to communicate to your dog when you want them to stop doing things and when they should not be doing those things ever again. So you need to have a way to correct your dog for those kinds of behaviors. A prong collar and leash or an e-collar is a good way to do that to stop those unwanted behaviors. Okay, what are some bad habits that you see dog owners doing without realizing they're bad? I think the biggest thing is just rewarding the wrong state of mind, whether that be with food or affection. Um, I see so many owners trying to do counter conditioning, but they're doing it completely wrong. So counter conditioning is when you take a, uh, like a trigger that your dog doesn't like, and you try to turn it into something that your dog does like. So a good example of this is the door. Um, I can't tell you how many owners I've worked with who have worked with purely positive trainers before me who told me, oh, well, the trainer came in and just threw hot dogs on the floor to make people coming in the house a good experience. And it's like, that is... <laughs> you're rewarding an anxious state of mind. And so I see a ton of this and I see people who like give strangers food to give their dogs and like, please, please stop doing that. Please stop rewarding like excited behavior. So counter conditioning is like when you're trying to make something bad good um, and people think that, oh, if I just add food onto this, then it will make this experience a good thing. Or if my dog hates the crate, if I give them a Kong while they're in the crate, then they'll love it. And it just does not work like that. Counter conditioning is actually very, very precise. And I don't do a lot of it because I don't have a controlled environment to be able to do it. So I'll walk you through how I would counter condition for a dog who is barking at the door. So first of all, you need to have a controlled environment. You need to make sure that no one is going to walk through that door unless you are aware of it. And if you are controlling that. So for me, I would have to tell all my roommates that they could not come home that day. <laughs> Sorry, uh, you can't come in. I'm counter conditioning with this dog to not bark at the door. So you have to teach the dog to have some sort of marker that could either be the word yes, or you could use a clicker. So I would use a clicker in this uh, instance because click is fast, it's precise, um, it's not emotionally loaded. So you want your clicker to be so meaningful that every time you click, the dog looks to you for a reward. So you have to load that marker. You have to load that marker with a food reward or a reward that the dog really likes. So how I would load a marker or like a clicker is I would, I, I like to do eye contact. That's like a good way to, um, first of all, get some focus on you. And then to also teach the dog what that clicker or what your yes means. So as soon as the dog looks to me, I click, give a piece of food. Whenever the dog looks to me, click, give a piece of food, click. You need to do this so that every single time you click, the dog looks to you for a piece of food. If the dog doesn't look as soon as you click, no matter what, then you're 
marker is not loaded well enough. So that is not something that just happens in one training session. You have to work on adding meaning to your marker. So once you have a marker that has a lot of meaning, then you're standing by your dog, you have some food ready, then you need to get another person to go and jiggle the handle, not even open the door. So the person touches the handle before the dog has the opportunity to react, you have to click. So handle jiggles, click, the dog looks at you, you reward. Then you can go a little bit further. The person starts to turn the knob. You click before the dog has the opportunity to react and then reward. So you just continue to do this and progress until you can get the person to fully walk inside without the dog barking because the dog learns that, okay, jiggle on handle, click happens, I get food. So then eventually it will be jiggle on handle, dog immediately looks to you instead of reacting because they're looking to you for that food. You've conditioned them, you've counter conditioned them to looking to you for food instead of um, barking or doing whatever they are doing. So you can see how precise and how like people are not counter conditioning, right? <laughs> they are waiting until after the dog elevate gets in that elevated state or barks and reacts, and then they go to reward. And so what you're doing in that situation is you're rewarding that behavior. So like the purely positive person who comes in and drops a bunch of food on the floor, they're rewarding the dogs for barking because the dogs have already barked. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, you have a very, very small window of rewarding in counter conditioning. And it's, um, it's tricky because you do have to have that controlled environment. Uh, you have to be there standing there ready to click ready to go. And it's just it's not very practical for just the everyday owner. And honestly, it's not super practical for me either, because I have people coming in and out of my house all day long. So I can't always counter condition in that way. Um, so what's another one? I know it's bad to give my dog a treat to stop him from barking, but can you explain why? So this is exactly why you shouldn't give your dog a treat to stop them from doing something because you're just rewarding whatever it is they're doing. Dogs are very, very simple. If they are barking and you give them a treat, they're going to continue to bark. So instead you need to correct that barking and then reward a calm state. So tell your dog what you want them to do instead. Correct, communicate that, no, I don't want you to bark. Once they stop barking, good. Give them something else to do. Lay down. Then you can reward them for that laying down. But you should not bribe your dog to stop doing something because you're just going to like further like make that behavior happen more. That was a terrible sentence, but you get what I'm saying. Okay. Um, why limit when strangers pet a puppy? Best tips for properly socializing a new pup uh, without doing damage for later. So I already talked about this, but when we let strangers pet a puppy, we're just teaching our dog to get super excited every time a stranger walks by. I'm not super opposed to you letting strangers pet your dog, but one, they should ask. Like if the person doesn't ask, oh my God, 
I get so angry when people don't ask and they just reach down and pet my dog. First of all, you have no idea what that dog is capable of or if that dog is like human aggressive or anything. And like, I've worked with dogs with like muzzles on that people have reached down and pet without my permission. Like, what? What are you doing? Um, so you're just rewarding the dog for most likely getting excited by seeing a stranger. And then the dog is going to learn that, okay, every stranger equals I get pets. So I'm not super opposed to people petting your dog, but make sure that it's on your terms and your dog is like in a calm, neutral state before you allow the stranger to pet them. But this is not the case most of the time. Most of the time is the stranger will get the dog super amped up. But if you're a trainer and you don't mind that people pet your dog, then like, fine. Or like, if your dog is really chill with people, then fine. That's not that big of a deal. Okay, so now I want to go through a lot of the posts that I got from people because I didn't get a chance to post them all and a lot of them are really, really good. Um, okay, so these are the bad habits that people were doing without knowing that they were bad habits. So the first one is let them do whatever they wanted in the house, no boundaries, no structure, and always free roaming. So the problem that I have with free roaming is if you have an anxious dog or a dog with behavioral issues, you're giving them way too many options. Our dogs need to be micromanaged and they need to be taught how to exist in our household. They're not just going to inherently know that. So you have to teach your dog boundaries, you have to have structure in place. And if you've had a really difficult dog, you know this. The people who will comment and be like, I don't understand why you have to create your dog. They should just like learn to exist without you. Like they've clearly never had a difficult dog <laughs> ever. So if you have a really cool dog, like you probably don't have to put them on place or have structure or boundaries. But if you have a difficult dog, you know how much structure is needed to prevent bad behaviors or to prevent anxiety or prevent the dog from doing things that you don't want them to do. Okay, what's another one? Um, taking away their food to quote unquote prevent issues, but ended up creating them. So people try too hard to make sure that their dog doesn't resource guard. So resource guard is if like you have a dog who growls or guards like food or toys or space, that's a resource guarder. So what people will do is they'll be like, oh, I shove my hands in my dog's food to make sure that they know that they can't like it's not their food, it's my food. And it's like, no, stop doing that. Feed your dog in the crate, feed your dog in a safe place where they know that their food isn't going to be taken away from them. So don't just constantly be taking away their food because you're going to create problems. You're going to create a resource garter because they're going to think, okay, when is she going to take away my food? Like, don't just be normal. <laughs> I don't know. Um, letting him sleep in my bed. So this is a big one, especially with those more difficult dogs. Uh, if you are struggling with behavioral issues, you need to strip away your dog's privileges. Bedtime is a privilege. Furniture time is a privilege. If your dog has behavioral issues, they do not need those privileges because a lot of times people don't set those boundaries with their dogs and it communicates to their dog that they have free reign over everything, over the human, over the space, and that can cause a lot of issues. 
This is a good one. Do you want to go for a walk to get him excited? Um, I already talked about that one. So we don't want to get our dogs amped up before we take them out for a walk. Um, all right. And next one, letting them follow me around the house. So stage five clinger. You don't want an insecure dog that can't function without you. Um, I, Zoe is on the verge of being that. Like if I let her in the bed too much, or if I don't put her on place throughout the day, she will literally follow me everywhere I go and like be that dog that like whines outside of the bathroom if I leave her. And that just is how I raised her and I didn't really know any better at the time and luckily Zoe is a very like mellow and easygoing dog so it's not difficult for me to work through these things with her but you want to teach your dog how to be independent of you and not just cling to you um okay unearned affection all the time like all the time slept with me and went everywhere with me so I mean, I've talked about this so many times, but we are giving our dogs way too much affection to the point where they literally cannot function without it. So you don't want that. Um, okay, off-leash freedom without recall. Ooh, ooh, I love this one. Do not let your dog off-leash if you cannot recall them back. Just don't. That's a bad habit. Your dog won't ever come back to you. Why would they? Um, letting her meet too many unbalanced dogs when she was young. So letting your dog get that experience around, uh, bad dogs is not great because they learn from them. They learn from other dogs. Uh, okay. Leaving my dogs free when not home pee everywhere. You have to create your puppy. Like you cannot just expect them to not pee and poop all over your house. Like, they're not just going to learn that on their own. You have to crate them and get them on a crate routine if your dog is having accidents in the house. Like, that's how you potty train. When people have adult dogs that have accidents in the house, it's because they gave way too much freedom too early on. Um, ooh, this is a good one. Trying to train and teach with already thin patients. Do not work with your dog when you are frustrated. You do not want to load your dog's training with your own emotions. If you are frustrated with your dog, put them away. It's not going to help anyone if you're working with your dog when you're frustrated. Just, just don't do it. Wait until you're in a good, happy state because you want your dog to want to work with you. And if you're like pissed off at them, they most likely don't know why you're pissed off. They're just going to be like, oh, wow, she's not... She's not in this. And yeah, so don't put your own emotions on your dog's training. Uh, okay, free feeding. So free feeding is when you just leave a bowl of food out all day. No crate, babying, and giving my dog excuses. This is ugh, beautiful. So no free feeding. Do not leave your dog's food out all day because why would they need you? They're not going to listen to you if they have food and shelter and have everything that they need and don't have to go through you for anything. So like I said, we want to be the source of all things good. So you should feed your dog. I feed my dogs twice a day, put the food down or we do a training session, 20 minutes. If they don't finish their food, I pick it up and they get another opportunity later on. 
Uh, giving my dog attention when she was whining, which made her more whiny. If you don't have a way to correct your dog for being whiny or barking or really annoying, then you need to ignore it. I find that a lot of dogs love attention, whether it's good attention or bad attention. They just love getting attention. So if you ignore your dog when they're whining, they're going to learn, okay, well, this doesn't really get me what I want, so I'm not going to do it. Uh, putting off clipping his nails because he's so bad at it. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't put off things just because your dog is bad. Use it as an opportunity to teach them to be better. So you really need to condition your dog from an early age of like getting handled, getting their toes squeezed and their ears like touched and all that. So handle your puppy, handle your dog from an early age instead of just putting it off. Um, petting too calm when my dog was barking at other dogs. You get what you pet. Exactly. Um, okay, not saying no to strangers petting my pup, which made him overly excited with strangers, just like I said. Uh, okay, another really good one, emotional corrections. So emotional corrections are when we're loading our own emotions into a correction. A correction does not need any emotion. I, like, I'm going to brag for a moment. I think I'm very, very good at remaining neutral in all situations. Um, only a handful of times have I, like, yelled at a dog and it's usually because like that's the only thing that I have in that moment but if I have an e-caller or if I have a way to correct the dog I correct the dog without adding my own emotions to it if you're frustrated you should not be correcting your dog in that moment um, okay, getting hyped about going outside for walks. We already talked about that one. Dog parks. Ooh, bad habit. Don't do dog parks. Uh, standing on the couch and barking out the window. This is a really good one. Um, so when we let our dogs stare out the window all day, we're basically just like charging them up because essentially they spend all day watching the squirrels, watching the cats, watching other dogs walk by. So then when you do go out into the world, they're like ready to go. They've been charged up, they've been watching out the window all day long, and they haven't been able to react. Then when you do take them out, they just explode. Um, petting him while he's panting. I thought he was just hot, but really he was amped up. So excessive panting, yawning, uh, ears either being really far back or pushed forward, that can be a sign of anxiety. So we don't want to reward that behavior. Uh, okay, letting him jump up on me when I come in the house. Lucy, my second dog, jumps up on every single person that comes to the house because she was conditioned through my roommates. Like, my roommates would pet her every single time she would jump up and, like, what you pet is what you get. So now she continues to jump up on people and I correct her. She doesn't do it with me because she knows she doesn't get any attention with me, but... Whoever is in your house, make sure that they ignore the dog or they correct the dog for jumping up. Everybody sleeps in the bed. <laughs> I just say no dogs in the bed. Very rarely do I think dogs can handle that kind of privilege. Uh, like I said with Zoe, if I let her in the bed too much, she gets super needy and super clingy and she like 
begs to be up in the bed. So I say no bed, no furniture for my dogs. They just, they do better when I set those boundaries with them. And that's just a really simple boundary that you can set with your dog that communicates, hey, you don't have access to everything that I have access to. And if you want this thing, you have to go through me. So you want furniture and food and freedom and fun and play. All of those things should come from you. So start implementing that as a habit. Start implementing that uh, rewards come from you and playtime comes from you and all of those good things come from you. So I'm going to stop it there. We're already over an hour. I answered so many of these responses already. Um, hopefully that cleared up some bad habits that a lot of owners have done in the past. And hopefully you can stop doing today after listening to this episode. So um, I know that I've been mentioning a lot in my last few episodes about what is coming up. Um, I am in the process of having the online store and my ebooks. I was going to announce it this week, but unfortunately, because of COVID, a lot of my products and packaging has been really delayed. And that's really the only thing that's kind of slowing down that process. So I really did want to announce it this first week of November. Um, I know that I mentioned it in other previous episodes that is it would be the last week of October the first week of November but I just don't have my stuff ready because of uh, COVID I'm really waiting on a lot of my products to get in the mail before I can open them up to you and open them up to the store so if you've reached out and you've messaged me that you're excited about it oh my gosh that like means the world to me. It's so amazing that like people are like, when is your store going to be up? I want to buy your ebook and I want to do these things. Um, so uh, thank you so much. And I really appreciate your patience. Um, but unfortunately, you know, the world's, the world's a little wild right now, so it's not always super predictable, but as soon as I get everything that I need, I will be announcing that and I'll be doing a giveaway with leashes and all of my ebooks. So I promise that will be coming soon. I mean, I hope that next week I'm not saying the same thing, but we'll see. I'm just, just trying to get y'all excited about it. So to end today's note, pick one habit that you want to implement with your dog whether that be going for a walk every day or uh, practicing a downstay before you uh, go for a walk or whatever it may be, I urge you to prepare and set those systems up in place. Uh, get your leash ready, get your route ready, get all of the things that you need to do to implement those good habits and start to become aware of maybe some of the bad habits that you've been doing that you aren't super aware of. So thank you so much for being here. Love you so much. Just the fact that you're listening to this just truly means the world to me. So thank you so much for being here. And I can't wait for you all to join me next week. Thanks. Bye.